Welcome to the Encounter Christian Church Message Podcast, where we bring you the latest messages from our Sunday services. To find out more about Encounter or to plan your visit with us, you can find us online at www.encounter.cc. We hope you enjoy this message. Hello church, welcome to our online service. It's a real pleasure to be here with you today and thank you for joining me, spending some of your day with me. I do consider it a real privilege. If you don't already know me, my name is Aston. I'm one of the pastors here at Encounter Christian Church. And today I have the privilege of continuing a series that was started last week um, by my husband, Glenn. And the series is titled, Low Battery, Please Recharge. So I'm going to continue that series this week. Last week, Glenn talked about um, having a low battery in terms of like related it to his iPhone and thinking about what are the things that you can do to make sure that your battery is charging properly or that it's not wearing out faster than it should. Looking at that from a practical level um, and then talking about some of the warning signs that exist in our lives to let us know when our own sort of life batteries might be running low and what we can do to address those things. So this week I have a message that I think will build on that. I want to talk about giving your connection to God some attention. So pay attention to your connection is the name of my message this week because um, this whole period has been marked by disconnection obviously for people. We're online enjoying church online right now because of the coronavirus pandemic and all of the restrictions around that. And I want to acknowledge that there's a whole spectrum of experience in terms of the way people have experienced this period. For some people, it's been a time where it feels like a huge void may have opened up in your life in terms of where social commitments used to fill, going out, working extra hours, or just the things that we were doing to keep ourselves busy, even going to the gym. A lot of those things have been stripped right back. And for many of us, it's felt like um, there's a lot missing in our normal routines right now. Of course, for many other people, it has been a time that is busier than any other time has been. And I do want to acknowledge all of those essential workers. There are many, many of you who will be watching today, joining with us. Um, Many of you who make up part of the community here at um, Encounter Christian Church that are doctors and nurses and teachers or hospital workers, cleaners, all sorts of people who have been really manning the fort, so to speak, and keeping things running for us, working in our healthcare system to keep us safe and taking extra risks, placing yourself in um, places of increased exposure. And I know too, our teachers have worked so hard, um, even if they are working from home, it's been a lot of extra work to keep our kids educated and looked after and cared for in that sense. So massive shout out to you and thank you from me to you for all of you the work you've been doing and actually if you're watching today and you want to say thank you to an essential worker I encourage you to get in the comments and actually tag someone who you can think of and just say thank you let them know that we're thinking of them we champion you guys Uh, obviously we couldn't have done all of this without your hard work and sacrifice so thank you so much want to acknowledge that So in this whole spectrum of coronavirus experience, wherever you fit along there, if it's felt like you've had nothing to do or felt like you've had so much to do, if you are someone who regularly attends a church um, of any kind, you would know that this is still, regardless of what your work-life balance looks like right now, it's been a period of spiritual disconnection or at least disconnection from your spiritual community. And from speaking to many of you, I'm aware that this has left some people feeling really spiritually flat or as if you're running low on batteries in your spiritual life. 
And so today I have a message that is about some of the ways that we can combat that feeling. And I just want to start all of this by saying my message today is not intended as a judgment on anybody who may be feeling spiritually disconnected right now. This is actually an invitation to come into a deeper connection uh, with God that will sustain you better in a spiritual sense through unexpected seasons. And I think we can all agree that this season is absolutely been unexpected and has impacted our lives in unexpected ways. So in this society where self-care is a bit of a buzzword, you could be forgiven for thinking that um, having low batteries is a bit of a 21st century phenomenon. But there's actually a parable in the New Testament that Jesus tells. In the book of Matthew, it's um, chapter 25. And in this parable, he talks about some young women who are out at night and they run out of oil to keep their lamps burning. And I actually think there's such a fun parallel here between the metaphor of oil running out and what we might say in our modern world of like your phone going flat or having a low battery. And so I'm going to read this story for us today. But before I do, I do want to give some context to this parable. So when I say parable, I mean this is a story that Jesus told. It was based on real practices, but it wasn't a true story. It's a teaching story. And this story forms part of Jesus' teaching to his disciples about the second coming. And it forms part of what can be quite a complex theology. Um, and I'm not focusing on that part of things today. Rather, what I'm drawing on from this parable are some consistent spiritual principles that Jesus highlights and which I think we can easily see um, the application in for our own lives. So let me read this to you. This is in Matthew 25 in my NIV Bible. The heading on the story is the 10 virgins. It says, At that time the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five of them were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both us and you. Instead, you go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Sir, sir, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, I tell you the truth, I don't know you. And so we see uh, these girls who are described here as the foolish virgins left out in the dark. So I want to explain a little bit about this story that Jesus is telling. I've already told you it's a made-up story, but it is based in real practices. And we can know with some certainty, actually, what these practices were like because there are other historical sources that support um, the telling of this story and the practices that it's based in. So essentially in the first century, the Jewish wedding tradition included a, a procession where the bridegroom would go from his own home to the home of the bride and they would carry out some ceremonies at her house and then later after nightfall the bridegroom would emerge and be met 
by the bride's maids. So these 10 virgins, they're part of the wedding party. And then they would form this wedding procession. With their lamps, they would go from the bridegroom's house to the bride's house. And once they were there, they would go in and party for several days. So the wedding festivities took place at the bridegroom's house, but only after they'd formed this procession sort of through the town. And to be part of this procession, you had to have a lighted lamp. It was kind of like their ticket to the party. So these girls who did not have their own oil were panicking because it meant they couldn't be part of the party. And we see at the end of the story that they are, in fact, left out. So we have here five foolish girls and five wise girls. The five wise young women brought their lamps and they brought oil. But the foolish women only brought their lamps. And I guess maybe these girls who only brought their lamps were thinking that the groom would arrive much sooner than he did. They thought that they could just run off the oil that they'd been perhaps given at home by their parents before they left. But these wise girls brought more than the oil that they thought they would probably need. They bought more just in case. And actually when the foolish girls asked them, they said, go and get your own. It was their expectation that you would find your own oil for this occasion. And what I notice here is a bunch of similarities between these two groups of young women, the foolish and the wise. They're of a similar situation in life. They're all young and single. They've all been chosen to participate in this wedding. Presumably they have a similar social standing. They're in the same social circle and that's why they've been chosen. They all start out together at the same place and they all have shining lamps at the start of the night. Not only that, but as the night wears on, all ten girls fall asleep. See, getting tired didn't make the foolish girls foolish. Staying awake didn't make the wise girls wise. Waking up when it was the right time didn't distinguish these groups. But what separated the foolish from the wise was that the wise women brought their own oil. Because sometimes life doesn't go to plan. And so I have a question for you today. In the last few months, we've been away from our usual gatherings. So we have been disconnected from our Sunday services, from connect groups, from prayer meetings, worship nights. Many of the places where you may have once felt spiritually charged up, we are disconnected from our spiritual communities. And so I'm asking you, are you feeling spiritually low because of this disconnection? Do you feel like your spiritual batteries are running flat or like you're running out of oil? Or are you a person who knows how to get your own oil? Let's keep going with our story here. There's a few things I notice. In, scripturally, uh, oil is used to represent a few different things. And so I want to look at three of these things today. The first is this. The oil in this story represents fuel for the flame. You see, fire can't keep burning without some fuel source. Whether that's oil, wood or gas or whatever you are using, the fire needs more of it and to keep being replenished with more and more to stay alight. Otherwise, no matter how big and bright it is at the start, it will soon be dark. The second thing that the oil represents here is your inner person. You know, I wonder what did the lamps look like? You know, maybe that they were all purchased to look the same for the wedding, but I don't know. But I imagine that perhaps it was expected that these 
um, young girls, these bridesmaids, would actually have their own lamps. That it was sort of part of their social toolkit in that day to uh, enable them to participate in these sorts of ceremonies. And if that's the case, then they might have all looked different. Some might have been bigger than others. Some may have been more ornate than others. I bet that there would have been some who had been inherited from their own mothers, so maybe family heirlooms. Some may have had coloured glass or been inset with jewels. Um, but without oil, what they looked like on the outside really didn't matter because oil inside the lamp is what makes the light shine out and what makes the lamp fulfil its purpose. And that actually makes me think of our lives because we all look different on the outside and I could describe a thousand different ways that we can be distinguished from one another based on how we look or how our lives look. But no matter what the outside looks like, we all need oil on the inside to keep our lights burning. You know, your inner being needs attention. There's a story in the Old Testament in 1 Samuel when Samuel the prophet is actually tasked with anointing the next king of Israel. And God tells him that he's going to find this next king in a certain family of brothers. So Samuel travels to this place where the family lives and he's going to meet the brothers and determine who will be the next king. Basically, as soon as he arrives, he sees the oldest son and he's this big, tall, strong, handsome man. And Samuel thinks to himself, well, I don't need to look any further. This guy is obviously king material. But God speaks to Samuel straight away and he says this, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. So take care of your heart. The third thing that the oil represents that I want to talk about today here is it represents the Spirit of God. And we see this supported throughout Scripture. So are you staying connected with God through his spirit in your life? Because the time has come when we are actually being confronted with the extent of our reliance on others in so many ways, but especially in this spiritual way for our spiritual well-being. If you've been leaning on others to bring enough oil for you, then by now, in this time of being spiritually disconnected from your faith community, you will be feeling it. See, we are actually told in the New Testament in Galatians chapter 3 that God's Holy Spirit lives in everyone who believes in Jesus. It's given to us by faith to empower us. And actually, it's funny, I noticed in this chapter also, talk, it talks about foolishness. In verse, chapter, uh, sorry, in verse 3, it says, Are you so foolish? After beginning with the Spirit... Are we now trying to attain your goal by human effort? In other words, you've been spiritually reborn by faith, your personal belief in Jesus and your receipt of his presence in your life. Why would you try to continue on in any other way? You see, if it's oil that you need, fuel to keep your light burning, then just trying to behave properly do the right thing, say the right thing, follow the right routines or even hang around the right people won't get you oil. What you need for renewal, daily renewal, of your spirit was actually given to you when you first put your faith in Jesus. You don't do it, you have him. 
I read this devotional um, every day. My parents bought me this book for my birthday this year. It's called Walking with God. It's written by Chris Tigreen, and I actually read this about the renewal of the Holy Spirit. It's in his um, devotion on February the 13th. So I'd love to read it to you now, actually, just parts of this. In it here, he says, We cannot become mature disciples except by supernatural means. Jesus did not come into this world to make us better. He came into this world to make us new. There's a significant difference. We know what a mature Christian looks like. He or she will have the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. What we don't seem to know or we forget easily is that we don't grow these attributes by doing our best at them. We get them by realising how foreign they are to our human nature, how futile our attempts are at achieving them and how dependent on God we are for his life within us. It's a supernatural means to a supernatural life you know jesus puts all of this another way in the gospel of john chapter 15 verse 5 he says i am the vine you are the branches if you remain in me and i in you you will bear much fruit apart from me you will do nothing and the fruit that jesus is talking about here is the fruit of the spirit that i just read from that devotion you can actually find that in galatians 5 it's love joy Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control, the nine fruits of the Holy Spirit. And it's our connection to the Spirit of God which brings about the bearing of this fruit in our lives. If you remain in me and I in you, this is Jesus talking to us, you will bear much fruit, but apart from me, you can do nothing. You know, I think about our Sunday church services when we're meeting as we normally do, typically, when we're coming together. Ideally, I love to think of that with this image of it being like a table that is laden with fruit. These are the things that we have carefully honed, selected and prepared to bring our best to worship God. And I hope that when you come, you experience that sense of bounty in God's house, that you see the gifts of his spirit in operation along with that fruit that we prepare, like words of knowledge and encouragement, the leadership anointing, and prophecy operating in his house when we gather together it should feel absolutely bountiful because this is a prepared environment but if you are feeling while we're not able to be in that environment as if you are in yourself in your own spirit dry that there is a lack of fruitfulness if you are not seeing this fruit in your life or even a sense of spiritual frustration while we are not meeting then I want to invite you to do an honest assessment of your own spiritual life and of your practices. Are there areas in your life that actually require pruning in order for them to become more fruitful? Or is there some way in your life that you can fine-tune your connection to God to surrender more to the work of His Holy Spirit so that you can bear spiritual fruit and not just the seasonal fruit of human effort? You know, it's very um, easy for us to come together and in a concentrated period of time on a Sunday, you know, the 19 minutes perhaps that encompass our service, to put on the appearance of spiritual fruitfulness for our own efforts to come to bear and to behave lovingly and patiently and encouragingly for that 
concentrated period of time but if you feel like you are unable to carry that fruit into your life then perhaps it's because you are just hanging around the fruit on a Sunday but you're not actually connecting yourself to the vine you know I want to say this lovingly but a stick in an orchard is still just a stick fruitful company does not guarantee fruitfulness and being connected to the vine is the only thing which will bring about this fruitfulness in your own life so if your spiritual battery is low if you are running out of oil for your lamp then I want to invite you to relinquish your efforts at being better and receive instead the gift of being renewed by God's Holy Spirit There's actually a book that I read many, many years ago, maybe 20 years ago now. It's probably pretty old-fashioned at this point. I don't know. I haven't read it again in a while. Um, But it changed the way I viewed my devotional life, and it's an image that stuck with me. So I know I'm mixing all my metaphors today, but when something is unseen, like your connection with the Spirit of God, it is still very real, but sometimes we need lots of pictures to be able to visualise or imagine Um, how this all plays out so I'm going to just share a lot of pictures with you and hopefully one will land with you this is one that has really worked with me and in this book it's called Ordering Your Private World by Gordon MacDonald if anybody would like to read it it's very good very good book but he talks about your connection with God as a garden as a place that you can tend to and if you visit it infrequently of course that garden is going to be neglected and it's going to feel maybe unpleasant to to visit that place or maybe it's overgrown with weeds or other things that you don't want to have to spend your time dealing with when you go to tend to your relationship with God but the more often you visit that place the more often you turn your attention to it and actually deal with the things these are not things that God puts in our way in terms of our connection with him but the realities of our humanity that get in the way the things that are in us that we have to deal with in order to feel the connection and to um, experience and um, nourish the connection that we have with his Holy Spirit the more often we do that the more joyful it becomes it becomes a place of joy and peace and rest when we tend to that inner garden so I hope that might help you today all I want to say in finishing up today is this give your connection to God your attention and you will experience the gift of the Holy Spirit in your life and and an increased fruitfulness if you allow him to be your source of renewal and stop trying to be so good So I want to pray for you today and I actually want to leave you with this promise that Jesus made about the renewing work of the Holy Spirit. It's another picture. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from him. If you want your spiritual life to feel like a stream of living water, then turn your attention to your connection. You can keep your lamp burning, your life fruitful and your battery charged through his renewing work. So church, let's pray. Jesus, we want to thank you today for sending your Holy Spirit to abide in us. May we each know the joy of a deep connection with you and with your Holy Spirit. And may we know your continued renewal every day. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. To stay in touch with Encounter, follow us on Instagram at encounter.cc or find us on Facebook at encounter.shepparton.com.